Good morning. My name is Tom. Welcome to Bethany. So, so glad you're here. Before we jump in with both feet, there are a couple of housekeeping items that I need to just share with you. We have things coming up. We've got, uh, this is the third week in our 30 Days to Live series. So glad you're here. Next week, very exciting stuff. We're talking about relationships. If we only have 30 days to live, how would our relationships be different? Very important that you're here with us for that. After the 1030 service, after this service, we'll be having a baptism. Uh, baptism service or people have come to a point of faith and, and they want to be obedient in that. We're going to celebrate that with them. And then we've got a potluck. So um, I know we're going to have a lot of turkey and casseroles with those crispy onion things. But bring your stuff. Bring your stuff. A Lots of good food. If you need to bring ice cream, bring ice cream. Um, we always like that. We're going to celebrate as a family after the, uh, the final message of 30 Days to Live and the baptism service. Potluck. Also, Thanksgiving this week. Happy Thanksgiving. This is a countdown. It's really exciting, right? Got a lot to be thankful for. Um, we're having a dinner here. If you don't have a place to go, if you do have a place to go and you just want to eat here, maybe eat at home later or, or you know, <laughs> uh, come celebrate here. Uh, that's at 2 o'clock. There's a sign-up sheet on the table in the foyer. Um, it'll be in prayer for my, for my wife. Um, she sounds tubercular. She's going to be just fine, though. Um, so let's talk about uh, Turkey. Anyway, welcome. We're so glad you're here. As I mentioned, we're in a, a 30 Days to Live series. And what we're doing is we're trying to realize that our time here is very, very brief. And how would our lives be different if, if the doctors told us we had only 30 days to live? And if we had only 30 days to live, I'm convinced that I and you, if you're like me, would waste not one moment in making it the most fulfilling, meaningful, all out, no regrets experience of life that we could wring out of the time that we have left. And so the whole point of this series is, why wait? Why wait until we know we have such a short amount of time? Why don't we do it right now? Whether we have 30 days or 60 years, our life is brief. And we'll have to make some changes. We'd have to let go. We'd have to let go of the status quo life that we're so used to living day in and day out. Even those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we'd have to let go of the status quo concept of what walking with Christ means in order to embrace Embrace what God has for us and live all out this soul-stirring, heart-wrenching, mind-blowing experience of life as he would have it if we only had 30 days to live. So we're going to talk about life without regrets today. We're going to start, we're going to start as we've started each message in this series. In Psalm 39, it's up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. If you do, we're looking at Psalm 39 verses 4 and 5. And this is a prayer of David to God. And he said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. It's but a breath. 
And as we've done each morning, I want, I want to make this first sentence our prayer. If we could say it together and make it our prayer for us this morning so we could hear from God and respond to Him in the greatest way. Let's make it our prayer. Let's say that first sentence together. Let's do it together. Lord, remind... You're leaving me hanging. You're leaving God hanging. Come on. Come on. Make it our prayer this morning. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Lord, remind us how brief our time on earth will be. And so we have to do things. We have to do things differently. And if you're with us from the beginning, you know in week one we looked in the book of James and we found out he asked the question, what is your life? What is my life? Do you remember how he answered it? He said, your life is a mist. It's just here for a moment. And then what? Do you remember? It vanishes. We're here like a mist. And then it vanishes. I love the movie that came out recently. Um, did you see the bucket list? Did anybody see the bucket list? It was great. It was great. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'm going to give you the background. I'm not going to give you any plot spoilers. Don't worry about that. But Jack Nicholson and, and Morgan Freeman uh, play these two guys that have very little in common. Very little in common, except they're thrown together circumstantially, and they're in a hospital, and they both find out from the doctors that they have a very, very short time to live. So they put this thing together called the bucket list. And it's a list of things that they want to do. A list of cool experiences that they want to have before they kick the bucket. And they want to spend the remaining time checking those things off, getting those things done. And I don't know what your bucket list would be, but maybe it would include some of the cool experiences they had listed. They wanted to climb Mount Everest. They wanted to go skydiving. I don't know what would be on your list or mine. Maybe um, taking a tour of the Ben and Jerry's factory and getting caught in the tasting room for three days. I don't know. I don't know what would be on yours. Probably that, but there might be other things. But the point is, by the end of the movie, by the time they've checked off all of these cool experiences, these awesome happenings and sights, they realize that none of those things have addressed the deepest longings, the deepest regrets in their life. See, their life, they came to realize, is more than a collection of awesome experiences, as great as those things are. And your life and mine is more than a collection of cool trips and experiences and happenings. And in order to live the life of no regrets, we have to go deeper. We have to go deeper. Because after all the fun and adventure, we need more. God wants us to have a life of no regrets. His word gives us a way to do that. And to do that this morning, we're going to take three urgent steps. Why urgent? Because our life is brief. And we've wasted so much time, if you're like me, you've wasted so much time up to this point, not focusing on the things we need to focus on, not living life to the uttermost with all the life and all the excitement and all the zeal and all, all of the wonder and all the love that God wants for us urgent steps, three urgent steps that you and I should take, guided by God's word to live a life of no regrets. That's what he has for us this morning. Before we do, if you've been with us from the beginning, you know that each week we meet some people who've been told by the doctors. They only have a very short time to live. 
And this week, I want to introduce you to a couple. Their names are Lionel and Sherry. And what's interesting about them is they have this perspective. We can learn from their story. Lionel, the husband, was the one with all the health problems. He's diabetic. He's struggling fighting cancer, has for several years, and he's had two strokes. So his wife, Sherry, has been the caregiver. She's been the one who's been praying for him and serving him and taking care of him. And he's been the one who's putting his life in order. When all of a sudden, about two weeks before this video was shot, Sherry had an absolutely awful health crisis. And she went to the emergency room. They did all kinds of surgery. And the doctor told Lionel, told Sherry, she's not going to make it. Thank God she is pulling through. You will see she is in great deal of pain during this interview. They only show her from the, the chest up. But this couple knows what it means in a very unique way to have a very short amount of time. And how wonderful it is to have a second chance. I'd like you to meet Lionel and Sherry. Prior to a couple of weeks ago, Friday the 3rd, <coughs> everything was normal. Normal. Worked full time, served the church, had the family. And um, I came home from work in the morning and I thought I had indigestion. And I thought I would lay down for a while. I'm the one that's been sick for two, three years and thinking, you know, I always tell Sherry, you know, if anything happens to me now, you take care of this, we do this, you do this with my son, you give this to my son, and then in a heartbeat, she's laying in the hospital and I'm thinking, holy cow, what's going to happen here, you know? So I went and laid down and I got up about three or four times in a couple hours and by the last time that I got up, I couldn't stand up anymore and I knew something wasn't right, big time. Death never crossed my mind, you know, that she, I was going to lose her. And I was praying to God out loud. I was screaming and I was saying, you know, please take away this pain or take my life. And when he started telling me about that it was, that it, that it, that it was a life-threatening thing, it, it really hit me then, you know, that, 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 uh, that I could have lost her, you know. I mean, you know, that, that scared me. We're going to have a chance later on in a few moments to hear more of their story. But the point is, we don't need to wait until we have experiences like that to realize that our life is brief. It's a blink. It's a mist. It's here for a while and then vanishes. So we're grateful to God's word for giving us three urgent steps that we're going to take so that we can live the no regrets life. The first urgent step, I want you to say it with me, is that we're going to say what God wants us to say. Now, what God wants you to say right now is this. So let's say it together. What do you say? Right? The first urgent step we're going to take is to say what God wants us to say. Thanks for not leaving me hanging. We're going to say what God wants us to say. We want to say to those that we love that are most important to us what we, we, what we want them to hear. But so many times we don't. So many times we don't. If you spend any time at the hospital, and Matt and I do, and you talk to people who are who have gotten this news, who are past that point, they're ready to take the step from this life into the next. 
So many are, are burdened and have regrets. And you know what they're regretting? They're not regretting their bucket list and the cool activities and the adventures and the trips that they didn't get a chance to take. What they regret is the things that went unsaid. The things they didn't tell their husband. The things they didn't tell their wife. The things they didn't tell their children or their friends. That is the burden of regret that God doesn't want any of us to go through life with, to end our life with. And then you talk to the families after they pass away. And you know what regrets the family have? The same ones. Same ones. I never told him. I never told her. I didn't make peace. I didn't, I didn't tell them what I needed to say. So many of us, so many of us need to, if you're like me, we need to take this urgent step seriously and say the things God wants us to say. I pray now that you and I would do that. We would do that. God would speak to us. There's a great example in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. Solomon, the greatest, most, the the wisest man who ever lived, is talking to his son. He's about to pour out his heart about the most important things, to say the things God wants him to say. And he gives great advice, but I want you to look at the setup. I want you to look at at the setting for this. We're going to pick it up. It is uh, Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 20. He says, my son, pay attention. Help me out here. To what? To what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to, to those who find them and health to a man's body. What he's saying is pay attention. Pay attention to my son to what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say will change your life will change your life. It's on my heart. It needs to be on your heart. It needs to be on my lips and fall onto your soul. What I'm about to say will change your life. And this is what you need to know. This is what you need to know. And then he said, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's great advice. Great advice. Above all else, he shared what was on his heart. He shared what was on his heart. He said what God wanted him to say. How many of us go through life, we don't speak those words of wisdom, those words of love, those words of encouragement, those words of forgiveness, those words of apology, those words of, uh, of lifting up and building up. A prominent counselor, counselor who, who, who helped people talk through, pray through their problems, was asked, what do you see most often? What is the common denominator? And what he said, it shocked me. He said, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people that I have dealt with. Here is the thing that I find most often. Because I often ask, what is burdening you? What is your regret? Do you know what they said? As far as my father is concerned, I was never really sure if he was proud of me or he wasn't proud of me. No, I'm not bashing the guys. I'm not bashing the fathers. God knows I'm not bashing fathers. I'm one of them. But how tragic that is. How tragic that is that so many people, so many children, whether they're young and toddlers or they're grown and have children and grandchildren of their own, they're still burdened. They're still regret. Wondering if their father loved them, if their mother loved them, had had approval for them, was proud of them. And we've let our kids go through life not knowing this. 
That's tragic. Father God, God the Father knew how important this was. In Matthew chapter 3, if you get home, you want to read the whole story, here it is. If you're familiar with it, Jesus is starting his earthly ministry. He's taking the step of obedience. He's taking the step of baptism, right, that we're calling others to have next week. And according to scriptures, our knowledge of the Bible, he had done no miracles, no outstanding things. He had just been obedient. And now he's taking this step of obedience to be baptized. And God the Father opens up heaven. And in an audible voice, not only for Jesus, but for everybody around, he says, right there, right there, this is my boy, Jesus. In fact, he said, this is my son, Jesus, whom I Love and in whom I am well pleased. He is saying, this is my son. And I am off the charts in love with you. I am off the charts proud of you. And he gave that gift to Jesus. And how many times have we withheld those words of love and affirmation, and encouragement, and pride from our children, from our spouses, from our friends. As a husband and as a father, I want to take this urgent step, and I want to leave nothing important unsaid. I don't want any beautiful thoughts to go unspoken. And that's a challenge I'm laying on my own life. God has laid on my heart. I invite you to do the same. This might be hard for some people, some families, especially guys. Say, I'm not like that. I'm not very expressive. Fight through your discomfort. Get prayer. Let God embolden you to say to the people who mean the most to you everything that you need to say. Say the words God wants you to say. Here's an assignment. I'm going to take it on. I want you to please consider taking it on this week. This week. In fact, you know When we first started talking about saying what God wants you to say, you knew. You knew what it was, and you knew to whom it was. But just in case, this week, I want you and I to do this. As we move forward, I want God to lay on our hearts how we would complete this sentence. Above all else, as Solomon said, above all else, here's what I want you to know. What is that? Who is that? We don't only want to hear the word of God. We want to do it. We don't want to go out of here the same people we came in. It's not God's plan for us. He wants so much more. He doesn't want the Tom who came in here. He wants to do more. He wants to be more in my life and less of me. He wants to do that. Who is he saying? What is he saying? What is he telling you to say? The words that will come out of your mouth and land on the soul of the person you will say them to. What is he calling you to say? If you're a parent, what does your child need to hear? What does your child need to hear you say? I love you. I'm proud of you. I approve. If you're a husband, what does your wife need to say? Maybe it's this. Maybe what you need to say to your wife is, you are more beautiful than the day I married you. And you are deserving of every bit of my affection. 
If you're a wife, what does your husband need you to say to him? I respect the man that you are. I believe in you. I love you. I'm proud of you. Ladies, when you say that to us, we could slay a dragon. We could, we could climb a mountain. You can change somebody's life. Maybe it's a parent. You need to say, thank you for sacrificing all you've done for me. I'm glad you're my dad. I'm glad you're my mama. I love you. Maybe you have a friend. There's a broken relationship, a family member, a friendship. It's not where you want it to be. It's not where God wants it to be. You need to say, I'm sorry for the way I've hurt you. Or I forgive you. Or I need you in my life. I miss you. I want to start over. We need to take the urgent step. Whatever God is laying on your heart to say the words God wants us to say. If we are obedient in this, it will, not might, it will change your life and the person you speak it to. But we have to make the decision to not just go out of here and say, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I agree with that. We're going to do. It might mean you have to take a drive to go see somebody. You might have to take a plane. You might have to pick up the phone. You might have to visit. You might have to, I don't know what you have to do, but we need to do it. We need to have the no regrets life. And to do that, we have to take the first urgent step and say what God wants us to say. We need to take the second urgent step, and that is say it with me. Do what God wants us to do. Come on, these are small words. We have to do what God wants us to do. No multi-syllables at Bethany. Just very simple. Simple. You say we're not going deep. Yes, we are. These are simple truths. They become deep when we decide to take them from here and put them here. They become deep when we say we're not just going to hear it. We're going to do it. That's going deep. That's going deep. We need to do what God wants us to do. What does he want you to do? What does he want you to do? He wanted Paul to do a few things. And here's what Paul wrote about in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Paul wrote this. However, I consider my life worth, helping out here, worth nothing to me. If only I may what? He wants to finish the race and do what? And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Jesus has given him a specific task. He's given you a specific task. For Paul, he said the task was what? To testify to the gospel of God's grace. To testify to the gospel of God's grace. And that's what he had for Paul. And to some degree, that's the unfinished task for all of us, right? We're going we're gonna to bleed people to Jesus. Paul is saying the only, the only thing that matters when it comes down to it, it's leading people to Jesus Christ. My life is worth nothing if I don't do this. This is my unfinished business. What is your unfinished task? You say, well, how did Paul do it? Well, he started churches. He helped write, write the Bible. Bible's written, so you know, don't write any more of that because it's done. But how, how is God going to work out this in your life? What is the specific task that Jesus has given to you? What is the unfinished business? It might be your job. It might be your job. It might be your schooling. Maybe something needs to change. If you're in a job, maybe, maybe you've been in this job for a long time and you're grateful for it, but you're just trading your time for money. You're just collecting a paycheck. You're going through the motions. 
And God has put a desire, has put a gifting, has put a calling on your life. Whether it's ministry or something you're going to turn into a ministry, I don't know. But he's given you a vision, but you've not yet done it. We need to do what God wants us to do. Maybe it's relational. There's a broken relationship. There is a relationship that if you died or this other person died, the way it is right now is bad, and you know it. And God is telling you to enter into that and bring healing and restoration and love and all of those things. We need to do what God wants us to do. Maybe it's relational. Maybe there's somebody who's hurting. You know they're hurting, and God has put them on your heart. They're on your mind. You haven't reached out to them yet. Maybe that's what God has for you to do. Maybe there's a person who has a need and you have the means. You have the means to meet that need. And God has kind of burdened you with that and put that on your heart. But you haven't reached out to him yet. Maybe this is the time we do what God wants us to do. There's a book. There's a book inside of somebody that he's given you. He's told you to write because he's taken you through an experience. He's shown you something that can be a blessing and a help to somebody else. You never put it down. This is your time to do what God has called you to do. We're going to do life differently. Do life differently. Maybe he's called you to lead your family spiritually for the very first time, to disciple them, to bring them closer to the Lord. You've known to do it, but you just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe he's called you to lead a small group, to share, to draw people out, draw people closer to each other, closer to Christ. This is your chance to do it. Maybe he's told you to join a small group. You need to do that. Maybe he's called you to the act of obedience of being baptized. He wants to bless you in that. He wants to meet you in that. He wants to say, as he said to Jesus, this is my child whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And you need to take that step with us next week. You come and talk to us if that's the case. What does he want you to do? It's as different as the people. But don't leave here not knowing. Don't leave here not knowing what that is. And don't leave here just knowing what that is because that's only half of it we need to commit to doing what that is to doing what that is because to live the no regrets life we need to not only know we need to do we need to take the first urgent step and say what god wants us to say we need to take the second urgent step and do what god wants us to do and we need to take the third and final urgent step and live how god wants us to live live how god wants us to live because there are a lot of people who really aren't doing that how do i know because in a lot of ways i'm one of them can you relate There are a lot of people who come and hear the word of God and they say, I know this is how you want me to live, but I'm going to kind of do it my own way. And and I want to invite you to to picture. It's so sad. It's sad that that I and and some of you are, are, are still wrestling with that. Do we want to live our way or do we want to live God's way? Because in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you plans to bless you and not to curse you, plans to give you hope and a future. And when I live my way, I, fa- I, I forfeit that. We want to live how God wants us to live. Because if we don't, the consequences are very, very bad. <laughs> I want to invite you to picture a day that you probably don't think much about. This is what we will call the meeting. It is a meeting that you're not invited to. Why? Because you're dead. 
You're pushing up daisies. You're six feet under. You're worm food, whatever you call it. That is where you are. And, and, and your family and friends, if you got them, are getting together with a pastor type, right? And they're planning your funeral. And the way this goes is mostly one of two ways. The first way we'll call horribly wonderful. Horribly wonderful. Why is it horribly wonderful? Because there are tears. There are tears as people, tears of loss, but tears of joy too. And people are sharing one after another the stories of how you bless their lives. And one says, oh yes, I'm walking with Jesus Christ. I am saved now because of his faithfulness. My marriage is together now because she prayed, because she counseled, because she loved, because she gave us hope, because my family is intact. My life is different. I have hope. I didn't take my life because they showed me the love of God when nobody else did. My life is so different because they saw in me what God saw in me, that I wasn't a product of my past. They helped me see that my future with God could be completely different. And people cry and people laugh, and it is horrible, but it is beautiful. It's a celebration of all that God has done in and through you. But that's not the only kind. The other kind is horribly horrible. You got your family. You got your friends, if you got them, and, and, and the pastor person. And, and the question is asked, well, tell me a little bit about him. Tell me a little bit about her. And there's this like awkward silence, very awkward. Nobody can think about anything to say. And then finally somebody says, uh, yeah, um, he really liked spicy food. He liked that food. Yeah, and everybody kind of, yeah, they're breathing again because it's not so awkward. Yeah, how about that? There was spice, man. He had it on that food. He was spicy, spicy, spicy. I tell you, the, the habanero, he, he could eat them. Yeah. Or maybe after that awkward silence, they're going to like, well, um, she liked, she liked skiing. She liked the skiing and the snowboarding. You know, the snow and, and the mountains and, and the lifts and the moguls and shush and vadel. Yeah. Skier. She was a skier, all right. Or how about him? Um, he uh, sure did like his hunting. He was a hunter. Hunter, hunter, hunter. In fact, he's probably on a, he's probably on a, uh, a cloud somewhere, cocking a gun and shooting at a heavenly elk, you know. 18 million points. <laughs> hunter. Hunt, 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 hunt. Horrible. Horrible. This funeral, this life is about spicy food. It's about skiing. It's about hunting. None of these things are bad. They're just bad choices to build your life upon. When we live how God wants us to live, our lives are different and transforming. And James writes in the first chapter, verse 22, help me here, do not merely listen. Do it again. Do not merely listen. 
listen. One more time like you mean it. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. But what? But do what it says. Do what it says. This is the call to your heart and to mine from the word of God. Please don't just pay ear service to this. There are many, 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 many believers, followers of Jesus Christ whose lives are no different week after week, year after year. They frequent this place or other churches. Why? Why? Why are the statistics of how Christians, self-identified followers of Jesus Christ live, no different virtually than people without faith? And I'm convinced it's because I, and, and if you're like me, you, we come together. We like to collect knowledge. We like to listen to the Word of God. We just don't like to do it. What's keeping us from living a transformed, blessed life that is just oozing with the Spirit of God, blessing everybody we come in contact with? It's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You went through the series, Life is a Fruit Salad. How come we're not just walking examples of Jesus with skin on that are dedicated to loving the world as he loves them? To seeing his will done. Why are our lives not drastically different? Because too often we settle for only hearing the word of God. And I'm included. Don't, please, my prayer for myself, my prayer for you is that we would not settle and merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Because when we do what it says, something wonderful happens. This word has power. God has power. His Holy Spirit has power. And when it works in us, our lives are transformed. They're different. The people we used to know, they're different. They're changed. They're gentle. They're loving. They're lovely. They celebrate life. There's a joy and a peace. And you start to have relationships. Your relationships are transformed. I don't care if they're fellow believers or people who are far from God. They'll say, that person's religious. I'm not religious, but I, but I respect their, their, their beliefs because, man, they're authentic and they live it out. They're not just putting on a show. And, and we got networks of believers and, and they're changed and we start to live and our lives start looking like 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage. We grow more patient. We grow more kind. We don't envy. We don't boast. We're not proud. We're not easily angered. We have a deep abiding peace. We don't keep a record. They say they don't keep a record of all the ways they've screwed up, all the sins I've done. They don't lob their truth bombs over into my camp. And judge me. They love me. They encourage the best of me. They see what I can be. And they pray for me. Even though I don't believe in God. They always delight in good and truth. They don't delight in the bad things. They're always protecting me. They're always trusting me. They're always hoping. They're always persevering with me. They never fail me. They love me in a way that I have never seen. And never experienced before. In their life there are these three things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is the love of that God that lives inside them, that is touching my life. And I don't know if I'll ever get there. I don't know if I'll ever meet him. But my life has been transformed and blessed because this person lived the way God wanted them to live. All because you and I did not merely listen to the word, but did what it said. 
God's power, God's will was unleashed in our lives and left miracles in its wake for our marriages, for our families, our children, our friends, our campus, our community. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going we're gonna to tie it up pretty soon. John 1 John, John 2.17 says this. The world and all its desires, say with me, pass away. Just like we talk about people who die. The things, the crazy, meaningless things that keep us from living a life that God wants us to live, the no regrets life. These things pass away. But the man who what? Does the will of God lives forever. Lives forever. Lives forever with God in heaven. And we live on in the lives of the people we touch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would be like? I just, uh, at the earlier service, at the 9 o'clock service, I was talking to a woman who is a great, great grandmother. Can you imagine being a great, great grandparent? Maybe you're not here anymore. What would your family, what do your descendants say about you? You know, even if you're in college, even if you're in high school, you say, well, it's hard for me to believe. There are people who look to you to find out what God is like. There are people who look up to you. Years from now, what will they say? Can you imagine having great, great, great grandchildren that say, our lives are different. There are hundreds upon hundreds of people who are now walking with God because Tom and Cherie Burgraff lived. Yeah, Tom wasn't perfect. He was dumpy and he drank too much Diet Coke. But he believed God. He was a man of God. And Cherie, she was as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside. And she was encouraging. And she was a woman of prayer and a woman of encouragement, a woman of faith. I want them to be able to say that about us. And I know you want people to be blessed in your wake. Not for your glory, but for God's. And we can leave a godly legacy. We can do that. We want that. We need that. To do that, to live a life without regrets, we have to say what God wants us to say. And you know what that is. We need to do what God wants us to do. And you may know what that is. And we need to live the way God wants us to live. Let's take a look at Lionel and Sherry. I want you to take particular note of how glad they are that they have another chance. Let's watch. She would have been gone, and I, what would I have thought? You know, God, man, I was, the TV matters so much. Give me the remote. I haven't touched that remote since she got home. I, I, it's just, that's, I don't want it no more. It's hers now. It is. It's hers. We've been watching cooking shows now for uh, six days. I would have never sat through a cooking show in my life. I sit there hour after hour, and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter, Lionel. You're learning something. <laughs> you know, so you get humbled very quickly. I, I Yesterday, I, I patted, I patted all the clothes in my closet because I've only been able to wear three things, and this is one of them for the last two weeks. And, and I have clothes in there that still have the price tags on them that at some point really meant a lot to me. 
And I just patted them all and just touched them. And I was like, this is all for nothing. All for nothing. This means nothing. These clothes are for nothing. The shoes are for nothing. All your shoes. You shoes, shoes, shoes for nothing. You know, I just, just keep going around looking at it going, it's just all for nothing. The only, the only thing that means anything are the people. It's just the people. I would hope that they would say, you know, my dad was a very spiritual man and, and that he was, he was a good dad because I was an awful dad for 40 years, 30 years, totally lost until I found Jesus just four years ago. I accepted him right here in this, this house here. So to me, they've seen the change. And so that's what I would hope they would see me in that way. Hopefully it doesn't happen for a long, long, long time. Because actually, um, the things that they might say now, I'd like to have a chance to, to change some of that. But I want the next 50 years to be able to make an impact through God, through the church, and to our family, to be able to change that, to change what he would say now into, into something different. I don't even know what that would be, but I know that I want it to be different because I haven't made that impact yet. I haven't made that godly impact, you know, but we're working on it. That's the most important thing in my life, God. It really is. I mean, it, it might sound like a cliche or what people say, you know, I, I, I don't really care, you know. I know that I love God. I love Jesus. I love Him. Everything I do is centered around Him. I, I don't care what it is. I thank Him for everything that I do every day. Every day. Whether it's fishing or catching a fish or not catching a fish. Thank you. It doesn't matter. Thank Him for my family, for my friend, for my church. This church has done, you have no idea what it's done for me. I've been searching for such a long, long time. He'd been searching for such a long, long time. And Sherry said, I haven't yet made that godly impact. Maybe you can relate to that the way that I can. Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he wrote, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Paul is saying to the one he loves, who he's brought up in the faith, My time is here. I may only have 30 days or less to live. This is what I really, really want you to know and when he says next I pray with everything that I am that I can say at the end of my life I want to say it starting today I want you to be able to say it and mean it here's what he writes I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith my son I have said the things that God 
wanted me to say. I have done the things God wanted me to do. And I have lived the life that God wanted me to live. This place, this church is about life change. I want my life to be changed by the word and the spirit of God. Do you? And Paul finished by saying, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. No regrets. No regrets. Lionel and Sherry are getting ready. Paul was ready. Am I ready? Are you ready? Let's get ready. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Let your word, let your spirit wash over us, penetrate us to the deepest parts and change us, Lord. Change us. Still in prayer, if you would say, I know God was speaking to me. I know God was speaking to me. And I know I, there are some things that God wants me to say that I need to say. There are things that God wants me to do that I haven't done yet. I haven't gotten around to them. There's a life that he has for me that I'm not yet living, but I want to. If that's you, I want to pray for you. As I pray for myself, I'd ask you right now to just lift your hand up. I want to pray for you. As I pray for myself, I want to pray for you. God bless you for being bold and being honest. God bless you. Hands are going up. Yes. God bless you more. Yes. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. God bless you. Yes. All right. All right, let's pray. Father, we want to say what you want us to say. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to live as you want us to live. Lord, we want to be transformed. We want to be changed people because we want to, we want to have the life that you want us to have, but we can't do it on our own. So we ask you to give us strength, to give us courage, to help us, to do it through us, Lord. Because we want to be a blessing. We want to honor you and bless other people. We want people to be drawn to you because of the way we live, because of the way we love. We look forward to how you're going to do it. Give us boldness. Thank you for the people who want that. I want that. In Jesus' name. Still praying. Still praying. There are people here. God loves you. But you would say... Man, I am not even close to living a life with no regrets. I'm not even close to being ready. And you know that God is speaking to your heart. You know it. And when we spoke about saying the things that God wants you to say, for you right now, that is saying yes to Jesus. That is saying yes to And doing the thing God wants you to do for you right now, that's surrendering. That's asking Him to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And living the life that God wants you to live right now for you, that is to say, no, I won't continue on the way I've been going. I won't keep living for myself, my own plans, my own dreams. I want the life, God, that you have for me. And you're asking, you're asking questions that maybe the questions I asked 
as I wrestled with this king of Christ? How do I know if I'm good enough? How, how do I know if I've been too bad, if I'm disqualified? How do I know? How do I know if I'm right with God? That's what Scripture says. It says, I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, nobody. Scripture says we've all blown it. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. But God loved you. He loved me. So much so that he couldn't see us. He couldn't stand to see us apart from him. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He did for us what we're incapable of doing for ourselves. He sent his sinless son to live the absolutely perfect life, to die a horrible death on the cross. He took our sin. He became our sin. He paid the price for it and he died. But God raised him from the dead. And now it says all those in Christ, all those in Christ are new creations. The old has passed away. Your past is past. Your future is in God. How do you do that? How do you get in Christ? You turn away from your sin and you turn to him. You repent. You say, I'm sorry for the way I've chosen, the way I've lived. I want your life in me. I don't ever want to be the same again. So with this invitation, with this calling, you have a choice to say yes or no. No, I don't want you. I want life on my own. Yes, I want your life. I want your spirit. I want your forgiveness, your love. I want to be yours. I want to give my life to you. And that's your prayer. That's your heart cry this morning. If that is your prayer this morning, I invite you. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to seal this eye to eye. God bless you. God bless you. We'll pray. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. God bless you. Yes, right there. Right there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We've got hands around. Oh, praise God. Anybody else? They're taking this urgent step to make sure their lives are never the same again. God bless you. And we pray, we pray, Father, make these words yours as you pray them. Father, I come to you. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, dying for me so that I might live for you. Forgive me. Right now, right now. His forgiveness is washing over me. Lord, thank you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for the plan that you have for my life. I will follow you all the days of my life. And I'll live with you forever. I praise you in Jesus' name. If you've taken this step, and I know many have, praise God for you. We're going to stand. We're going to sing God's praises. If you want prayer, if you need to say something this week, this day that you, need, that you know God wants you to say, you need to do something, you need to live a certain way, we'll pray for you. We're going to stand up. We're going to celebrate all God's doing in our heart, in our presence. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you want to participate next week, take the step of obedience and be baptized. Come talk to us. If you want to join this church, come share that with us. God bless you. Let's praise him. It's time for healing.